0: Synthetic fertilizer was critical to boosting food production and feeding people around the world. However, it comes at a cost. Student journalists from the Universities of Florida and Missouri spent 16 weeks reporting on the fertilizer industry and its benefits and harms. This investigative series tackles topics from the discovery of nitrogen and phosphorus to their manufacturing super-sized chemical plants along the Mississippi River, to evaluating future solutions for food production and dealing with chemical waste. I'm Elliot Trito, your host. Working with me is fellow recent UF journalism graduate Julia Cooper. Together, we'll be speaking with some of our fellow journalists for a look into our reporting on chemical production that feeds the world and also harms it. This is the Price of Plenty podcast, a How We Did It production. In this episode, I spoke with Sophie Zemet who reported on how three massive fertilizer plants contributed to industrial pollution in Louisiana communities. Here's Sophie.
1: So my name's Sophie. Um, I'm a reporter here in Columbia, Missouri, for the Columbia Missourian, and I'm working on this story as part of a capstone through the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk. And yeah, my story in itself focuses on what it's like for people to live in proximity to massive fertilizer plants in Louisiana's river parishes. A little intense, but it was it, it's a really important story, I think.
0: Yeah. So um, now, since obviously I'm from the University of Florida and you're from Mizzou, so obviously it's, uh, we're working together, but obviously we're working at not only from two different states, but working on two different, just different stories in general, different newsrooms. But the cool thing is that uh, we're able to put, um, you know, get the, like Hannah Montana, get the best of both worlds out of this, <laughs> there. So what I really wanted to talk about was, let's kind of like the, uh, like, like, get some context of of Mizzou in, in the newsroom. So tell me about the class that you took with this, but also tell me if you pitched the story or was the story pitched to you?
1: Yeah. So it was part, so yeah, our class had all done kind of towards the beginning of it, a a series of research assignments based around the fertilizer industry. Like we all wanted to get familiar with like specific topics. And then from there with like the topics that we got familiar with, like for instance, mine, I learned a lot about public health effects of fertilizer and how um, different chemicals are harmful to people's health right and children's health and so in doing that it kind of naturally made sense with stories that our professor Sarah Hiles had already had in mind she kind of had she had a set list of things in mind and then from the information that we learned it made sense to assign people to specific things so because i had a stronger background in public health then it kind of made sense to do the one that was the most like public health relevant right when we're talking about like airborne talk like airborne emissions and onsite emissions of like hazardous chemicals but yeah, I would say it, it was a bit of both. So like we expressed our interest in a given topic, but then there was also a story, a greater story in mind already. But we were able to introduce a lot of like our own ideas and really fine tune into what we wanted to, which was really great.
0: Awesome. And so um, with that being said, so um, as we went to Bartow, Florida, and, or, and then we went to New Orleans to go there, um, we mentioned earlier in the episode about um, what the purpose of those both those trips were. So what I kind of want to talk about is I kind of want to stick my teeth more into that as well. So what I wanted to ask was, we're going to start with Bartow as well. So I wanted to know like from a, uh, this kind of like a two-part question. So with Bartow Florida, I want to know how did this elevate your story? How did this really help your story as well?
1: That? Yeah, that's of- a great question. So part of my story focuses on what it's like living next to what's called the phosphogypsum stack. And there was a series of events tied to one in Louisiana that I really needed to kind of become an expert on in a very short amount of time. And so one thing I was having trouble with early on in the reporting process and even in the writing process was really visualizing that. So I do think that going to Bartow and seeing those huge stacks rising up directly neighboring communities, as we saw, was not only extremely it was, it was a life moment. Like it was an experience I'll never forget, but it was also extremely helpful in like really visualizing what that was like because I did have to, before going to Louisiana, have something written down, right? I kind of had to start getting those, those groups moving. So understanding the water management processes of those plants also you know, helped me understand why stacks are used at these chemical plants. So I think for my experience, I think Bartow was very useful in understanding the more technical aspects of all of this. And then also, of course, just really getting an understanding for like just the, the sheer power that industry possesses. Right. I think that's one thing we totally saw at Mosaic was just like how much control a major company has on not only like the regional economy, but like the surrounding environment. Like it's insane. And I don't know. It was it was very jarring to to really to see that because it's a thing that people talk about all the time. And then also I would say I think most the Mosaic Day was probably the most relevant to my story i would say but i mean just even seeing what it was like for you know the dragline to be digging into that matrix and to witness that was just such a a life altering moment to really see like this is what's being done to our planet every day but yeah so i think i think that, that trip meant a lot to, meant a lot to me in a few different ways but story wise i would say the technical aspects were the most relevant
0: yeah so you mentioned the dragline so yeah we we when we were there we saw um a drag line named uh, Princess Grace. Yes,
1: Princess um, Grace.
0: It was, I would say it's very, I'm going to have a dad joke here. Um, It was kind of graceful. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) It it was kind of graceful to see how massive this vessel was of how they were able to do this. And like, um, like something that was kind of interesting was about how they don't really make these kind of vehicles anymore. I think like the most updated one they said was like 1999. And. You know, I was born in 1999, and so it's kind of weird to know that, like, you know, I'm as old as this, I believe that drag line, if not just the last one. So I think that's kind of interesting how it's not really being produced as much. But the reason I bring this up is um, could you could you expand upon what a drag line is and why it's important to the um, companies like Mosaic, why they use this machinery?
1: Yeah, so a drag line is essentially forgive me for using layman's terms, but a drag line is essentially just this gigantic piece of machinery supplied with a large Claw like thing, big old claw, that really does it moves in circular motions and scoops up deeply into the earth. You know raw minerals that are used to create chemical fertilizers. So for instance, we were we were talking specifically about phosphate. It was a phosphate mine that we were at. But yeah, so just drawing up that raw materials, um, and you have one man in an air conditioned room swinging around all day, scooping from one pile, and moving to the next, and it's it's very interesting. And I know. My understanding of that is that they make extremely good money for doing that specific task. Like, they, I think there is quite a bit of training that does go into that. That was mostly my understanding, but I, w- I would really like to underscore just the massiveness of it. Like, it truly was just, like, like we took a photo where we all stood inside that that bucket, <laughs> and it's, it's jarring. It is, just to really see.
0: And... I kind of wanted to kind of more into this so with kind of like rural reporting and how that's very a vital thing that just in general you know and we hear this about where there's you know local media is obviously important and and you know this there's, there's like the common trend of like you know newspapers are, or local newspapers are dying and so this is this affects people a lot because they don't know what's going around their their neck of the woods so you know we were talking about this with with abby about how like going to barton new orleans really expand upon about obviously how vital it is to do rural reporting but also like to know about local journalism but obviously this was also a class trip so this was really like a living classroom about what we're learning and seeing before us so there was definitely a sort of like kind of like I like the idea of like when um, with with Mizzou and with UF you know we really didn't know each other well but I like the fact that we were learning Each like learning how to, you know, more about each other, but also we're learning about the same thing together. And I thought that was really interesting about this and same with I think with Cynthia and Sarah can say the same thing. Like, you know, obviously they have more knowledge about this in general, but it was really nice to set this up and go from there. So when I what I want to ask for you is um, on a personal level, like what was something interesting about Bartow that really stuck with you? That was like, whoa, and some of you can take away from this for your for your not only for your story, but for your career.
1: I mean, for me, I I really do see things through an educational lens as a reporter. Like, I think when it comes to, you know, seeing need and environmental devastation and all those things, really the thing that comes to me is how are, like, children affected by that, right? And so I think the thing that I took away the most was, and I know there had been some, we we encountered some confusion with sources that we had specifically related to this, but it did just, it really did just spark my interest is how, likely it is that you know the presence of industry has had an impact on central Florida's education system and I mean like the areas that we were in were truly from my point of view struggling with that I mean it I I know you know the Florida education system as a whole is just like this behemoth issue right but I, I think it was just something I'd never really really considered you know fertilizer does touch everything and it also touches our children right like and it's when we think about, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, learning disabilities and access to broadband and care and how great industry players are able to play a role in that on such an expansive scale. So I, I think that's definitely something I will think about a lot throughout my career. I mean, I have every intention of coming back to Florida as a reporter, but I definitely walked away with, yeah, industry and the education system is a thing that I that is just there's so much there that I don't think is being reported on that I think should be.
0: So would you say this kind of like planted a seed? Would you say? Totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think about it every day. <laughs> I do.
0: Yeah. yeah. And w- with that, let's, we're going to fast forward to, to go to new Orleans, which obviously for, for Barto we were there for only a couple of days, but new Orleans, we were there for a good, felt like a week as well. Like, you know, we were like for us, like at UF, we were, um you know, that was our spring break was um we literally they had no time to detox <laughs> or relax or, or kind of like take a breath. No, we just got right into it and, and we did it. And it was definitely worth it. But but for you guys, you guys were in the middle of classes, right? When 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 that happened, right? Like you guys, you know, it wasn't like spring break like us. Like you guys had a to...
1: Yeah, I missed an exam. I had some pissed professors. I still I think it was worth it. I do. It was the week back from New Orleans was the most stressful week of my college career. Um, but I do think, you know. We learned so much constantly in such a short and a comparably short amount of time. If you really think about it, with how much information that we were just swallowing by the day, like I look back to my notebook now and it's just like inundated with tiny handwriting and frantic words because it was just such an intense learning experience that I wouldn't trade for the world,
0: really. Why was it intense?
1: I mean, I think subject matter, of course. I, I think the the sensitivity of my story topic also kind of, you know, nately drew me to those things where a lot of what we're doing during the day is, I mean, discussing how people who have no real control of their conditions are suffering with, you know, facing from what I would say appears to be extreme state and regulator, like state regulator neglect, right? Which is just a devastating thing to see every day for a week, and talk about that every day for a week, and you know it's uh it puts your own life into perspective, and as a reporter, I, I I learned so much about not only you know where we were and what was happening, but myself and how I respond to covering topics that are that intense. Right? It was also a beautiful like New Orleans is a beautiful city, and we saw some incredible things. And I think we all had buddying friendships that became a lot stronger during that. So it was just a whirlwind. It was, I would say it was a very intense experience. Yeah.
0: What did you take away from New Orleans from your reporting? Like like um, anything that ended up in your article?
1: Yeah, totally. So one thing that I didn't expect to find that I did was, you know, when we were meeting, we met with the activists earlier that day who are very aware of their conditions and very concerned of their conditions and are very passionate about not being like that, living like that. And they're fearful for their own lives. Um, and so I just expected that to be a, you know a consistent experience among residents, you know but what I found uh, when we did go to Donaldsonville and the plant in the houses directly neighboring that plant is that, you know, we we didn't really have it. It was raining and I honestly, we didn't talk to as many people as I would have liked to but the people that we did talk to were either accepting of or in denial of what they were living right next to um and so there are some things that are admittedly haunting to me to this day from those conversations of people saying you know i'm far away enough i you keep smelling and you move on stuff like that that's you know it sticks with you but it was also i think important to share that point of view that you know this isn't a universal thing that everyone knows about or that everyone is concerned about. I think in reporting, we have to provide those you know, alternate, alternate points of view, right? That's how we get that full picture. If we had run a narrative that said, like, this is bad and everyone's concerned about it and, like, this is, you know, that CF Industries is Darth Vader, right? That's not the truth to some people. So I think, you know, representing that full image is really important, not only this story, but I think in all reporting,
0: yeah, and to add on to that, you know, with this story, how like uh, with New Orleans helping with my story about like you know uh, ammonia yeah. and and just the ammonia synthesis and how there's like recently the they CF Industries announced that um they're collaborating with they're trying to get more um plants going on and so with that it's a constant new thing and there's that news hook as well but this is the kind of thing that's been going on for like generations and generations and some people you know they kind of you know kind of in denial as well but you know there's also kind of like this is their livelihoods. This is how they make their money. And this is how like people have been in these houses for generations, I'm sure. And so that's there's that as well. So it's kind of like it's this complicated thing of, uh, of this when you're doing this kind of reporting. So like, like, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, totally. And even on that part of it, that last element, these are people's homes that they've had for generations. There are graveyards there that have been. You saw that, that little fenced in. It's, it's crazy, the, the lack of respect for history and what was already there is a thing that will stay with me forever. And even when buyouts are offered, I found, and this is, you know, the basis of this isn't the strongest, but it's just been shared with people that I've talked to. They feel that, you know, when buyouts are offered, they're notably better when offered to communities of color or to white communities, truly. And in that, why should people be expected to have to leave? So, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot
1: more that could have been done if we had more time.
0: My my last question for you is like on a personal level. So tell us beyond college, you just graduated like me. Where are you going? Where can people find you? And uh, what, what's going on?
1: Yeah, so I'll be headed to Uvalde, Texas um, in this July as part of, um, I'm going to be a Report for America Corps member uh, working for the Uvalde news-, news Leader. It's a small town of 15,000 and I'll be education reporting. And I think it'll be it'll be great. I I'm really excited to kind of unpack the education system and the complexities that exist within that that city because it's a, obviously a very relevant news wise, you know, and and interesting to begin with. So yeah, it'll be cool to be near the border, sprucing up on my Spanish, um, and starting over. I'm very excited.
0: Yeah. No, I'm happy for you. I'm I'm glad that you know I I know you're gonna do great, incredible work there. So I'm I'm um congratulations and I hope the best for you. Um Is there anything else that you want to add before we sign off?
1: I think one thing that we, you know, project side, I think just from the very bones of it, like the structure of this project was so rare and nothing that any of us had done before, like to collaborate with a school in Florida, I thought was going to be a disaster. And it actually worked out really well. And I think we, you know, it was so cool to have so many like beautiful brains on one bus, working together and communicating and talking through these things and leaning on each other for support. And I think, you know, some really cool friendships came out of this. Like, I consider you a very good homie and like running around the French Quarter with people that I love. That's something I'm never going to forget. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this experience. Um, and yeah, just very thankful for to have been able to do this and then also do some like very interesting reporting along the yeah. way.
0: No, likewise. and I, I think it was a great way to not only as a, col- like as a college experience, but I think it was a very, very, enriching experience to really just to go there and really learn about this more but also just to you know meet new and great people and to really get lost on bourbon street and to just as a as just like you know even days we're not reporting just to kind of visit that as well and do uh do awesome amazing karaoke at in barto as well like desperados desperados <laughs> <yeah, Desperadas, laughs> um stuff like that like like even like fun stuff like that so like um no I I think it's just like creating great memories um and comes out of that comes great friendship so I I I think that that's one of the good things that came out of this was 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 that as well on a personal level so I'm, I'm I'm glad we met and I'm glad that we're doing this and so um only good things will come out of this after
1: hell yeah brother
0: cool awesome well Sophie thank you so much for joining us and um keep up the great work
1: thanks man I appreciate it
0: that was Sylvie Zemin about how three massive fertilizer plants contributed to industrial pollution in Louisiana communities. Join us next time, where we talk with the University of Missouri's Joy Mazur about how a lifetime of research links the Gulf of Mexico's dead zone to Midwest fertilizer runoff. The Price of Plenty was funded by a grant funded from the Pulitzer Center's Nationwide Connected Coastlines Reporting Initiative. The Price of Plenty is led by Associate Professor Sarah Hiles at the University of Missouri, and environmental journalist Cynthia Barnett at the University of Florida, with assistance from the Arizona Republic's Joan Miners. This episode was produced and edited by Julia Cooper and Elliot Trito. I'm Elliot Trito, and this is the Price of Plenty podcast.